Dos Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. So did you hear? I did. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. How do you know what I'm talking about? I didn't so want you to did sh- hear? I didn't want to shut you down. I wanted to keep the <laughs> momentum going. Did you hear Nationwide is right around the corner and we aren't even close to being ready, Kinsley. I blame you, by the way. We're ready-ish. You think so? You know, it's an iterative process, okay? We work all the way up until the deadline because we, we want to make sure it's in context. So we're going to be right up until the moment adding things, refining things, making sure that everyone in the room has a blast at the nationwide Dos Marcos Dos speech together ever. Dos, and the thing is, we are going to do stuff we've never done and guaranteed no industry event this year. We said this last podcast. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to have what we have. They're not going to do what we do. The content's going to be totally unique, and I think it's going to be way more fun, don't you? I am there to have fun because if you're having fun, You've won. I really believe this. This is a good business principle. If you pass things through the fun filter, they're typically more sustainable. And guess what? They're fun. They're fun. And people might leave it and go, those guys are morons, which I'm completely fine with. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's. They may say, those guys are moron. That guy's a moron. That guy's a moron. That Mark guy guy is an idiot. So we really insulate each other. Mark is an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. So there's that. And then um, Pure Care is also going to be there. We got to figure out, you know what we need to do? Last time we had people go to Pure Care Space and they got like free Dos Marcos t-shirts. So uh, we're going to send them to Pure Care Space. They're going to be there too. Um, Did you order the t-shirts, by the way? Completely forgot You may want to tell Sarah that. you were ordering the shirts. I thought you were ordering the shirts. Mm, Anyway, so they gave them all out last year and uh now we don't have a mad rush but you know what we'll do we'll send you over to the pure care space anyway because they got better than shirts kinsley better stuff than shirts they've got really big primetime nationwide primetime deals so i excited you know i got to be in the space with them in vegas and they were packed those guys are packed yeah every time i walk by i'm like man they're hopping so and you know sean told me is because just their commitment to the retail channel. I mean, their commitment to people and helping them build out the experiential stuff like they did with the the Pure Care Bar at the uh, the Mattress Firm franchisee. No it was doubt. super cool. So I got to meet you. him, by the way. Man, the Press Group, amazing. Seems people. like everybody just was like magnetizing toward you. Uh, well, I mean, towards us, right? I mean, we had you were right next door, so yeah. it was like we had ton of traffic on that floor, so it was lots of fun. My uh, my Guatemalan licensees even came over and said hello. <laughs> Well, <laughs> when they came into our space and there's like six people and they were yeah. like, Mark, Mark, uh, into the Pure Care Knickerbocker space, Mark, Mark, Mark. Um, hey, let's take a picture. And we're from Guatemala. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so great. We listened to the podcast. Then you tell me, yeah, there are licensees. And you like, but they do out. listen to the podcast. <laughs> OK, well, good. I love it. So anyway, big news, Kinsley, on the financial front, Casper uh, talking about their IPO, and I read a really funny article. The headline of it was, we're getting ready for all the billion-dollar IPOs coming up in 2020. Casper will not be one of them. So major fall for Casper in terms of where their original valuation was of $1.1 billion. Now they've lost a ton of that in um, a drop because of some of the reporting, some of the um, losses that they've been accumulating 
uh, their business model. Some people aren't really happy over the fact that they don't make their own stuff. So now instead of it being 1.1 billion, it's dropped down to 770 million. So that would put shares at 17 to 19 dollars for the IPO. And here's one of the quotes that that I think stands out because what's happening now is we've been in mattress land echo chamber, and we've been talking about you know the value of the product and the cost of acquisition for the online companies and how it's turned into an absolute mosh pit. But meanwhile, none of this valuation building versus business building gets put under a microscope until you make until you are trying to have a liquidity event of some sort, which is selling the company or taking it public. And this is the liquidity event that Casper's after and the financial community is putting this thing under the magnifying glass saying, wait a minute, uh, put the brakes on. Here's a quote. The, this is from uh, Mark Pacitti, the managing director of Woozle Research. And he says, the mattress sector is a litmus test for current investor appetite for growth at any cost philosophies and sky high private valuations of companies with dubious business models that don't make any money. Dubious business models. Yeah, and then it goes on to say Casper may be another example of how we are heading toward a 90s style dot-com crash where valuations are totally out of line with business fundamentals. So, I mean, meanwhile, you look at the financials and you think to yourself, the va- like this was a company that was trying to build its valuation is what it appears versus the business fundamentals of, of becoming profitable. What do you think? What do you think this says about the mattress industry? I mean, I can, we can forecast all day long like what we think is actually going to happen, but what does it say about where the mattress industry is headed? I think what it says is there are people for the brick and mortar audience, there are people out there like Casper that are playing a different game. And we talk about that a lot. If your game is to grow your business, get market share, increase your customer base and serve people um, in some order of that, that's fine. But um, you also have to add into the fact that you have to be profitable. Casper didn't. They spent 80 million, Kinsley, in returns, refunds, and discounts. And so they kind of hid that. But they also invested 423 million between 2016 and 2018 in advertising. So think about it. So yeah, less than four years time, they invested 423 million dollars. So we talked about it with Kippo, right? Your clothing mm-hmm. line. You could spend. million this year driving the hell out of traffic to your website and then conversion into purchases, right? But at the end of the day, what do you have? Where is the value in that business? And it's going to be completely skewed because what that does is it builds up your your potential um, brand value. And we know even from talking, if you go back and listen to the podcast with Rick Anderson from Tempur-Pedic, when Rick was in that slot, Rick said the value of the Tempur-Pedic brand alone, just the brand, minus any assets, nothing physical, just the brand, $3.5 billion. So there is real value around a brand, but whenever it's not established in a way that has, like this article said, the business fundamentals backing it, it becomes suspect as, a, as an, an investment opportunity. Now, if you want to burn, burn through cash, build up a customer base, and then you have a way to acquire lifetime value out of that customer base, that's a different play for me than a, a purchase you make every seven to 10 years. And here's a, here's a good converse example. Like the, the uh, protein shake companies do this all the time. Protein shake, they, sp- they burn tons of cash acquiring customers, but guess what? You buy protein shakes four or five times a week after each workout. So the replacement cycle is much higher. So the lifetime value of that one customer starts to realize itself very quickly. Well, 
I mean, yeah, you could build out like your sheets and your pillows and your mattress protectors and your dog beds and your little glow lights and all that stuff. But even that's not going to get you to the profitability in, in, on a short enough timeline because I have to imagine the basket of goods for the percentage of customers is not totally in line with making that profitability scenario happen very quickly. So I, I think you're right in terms of building the model to where it is a legitimate, sustainable business. Um, in, in my head, so check me on my thinking here, with Casper spending $423 million, I would say that Casper is not sticky. So they have spent that kind of money. I wouldn't even say building a brand because in my opinion, like I don't think they have built. I, I think early on they were on the right track. It was fun. They were doing cool stuff in subways. They were getting a lot of uh, word of mouth because of the fact that they were doing some stuff other people weren't doing, delivering beds on bikes and that kind of stuff. And then for me, I feel like it just kind of morphed into a product for a price and them spending all that money to drive a transaction. They became very transactional. And then on top of that, you think about this. Their product, there's no magic really. I mean, they want to talk about the way they configure it and some of that, but I really don't believe there's any magic to the Casper pro uh, product. Uh, I think they do have some intellectual property and a little bit of that, but in all truth, you put that on a floor with most brick and mortar retailers um, product offerings and there's not a wow moment there waiting for you. So I don't know that the the investment they made in building Casper is necessarily sustainable. Now, now compare it, Mark, to like what Purple's done, right? Intellectual property, there's science in the product value itself. And I think their brand is sticky. I think people like like that brand. I think they like what Purple's doing. I think it's fun and it's memorable. And I th I don't think Casper accomplished that. Do you? I think time is going to tell. I, I agree. The Purple brand is much more memorable because it is distinct. And also, if you look at the their participation in the value chain, it's just what you said. They actually make the gel and they manufacture a large percentage of their product from what I understand. So they're not, you know, they're not, they're playing in maybe a shallow profit pool from a componentry standpoint, but they're also playing in the direct to consumer channel. So they're capturing multiple pieces of that profit as you go along. Whereas, you know, one of the, the knocks on this, once you put it in front of the, the investment community was they don't actually make anything. Now, Here's another major issue. They don't, well, they don't make anything in terms of they don't produce they don't make their, their own products, product. Right? Yeah, they don't produce their own product. Um, they don't. Yeah. So the other piece of the puzzle here is when I look at Casper, I think of the number that they were pulling out, which was thirty-one percent aided awareness for their brand. Now, as as we know from the marketing standpoint, you're going for unaided awareness, but you're really going for brand preference. And I think they're starting to get the realization that in the mattress business, people still want a product that feels good for the right price. And brand preference is going to be very hard to come by. Tempur-Pedic's done it. Not very many others, if any, have done that. And so they're, they're plucking out a number that really isn't a strong metric for me to want to pay attention to, which is aided brand awareness. For you know, for those who don't know, it's like they put five different brands in front of Mark Quinn. Serta, Sealy, Simmons, Casper, Tempur-Pedic. Which of these do you know? 31% of those people knew Casper after I mentioned it. Do you, that is the first time I've heard that number. 
31 percent on yeah. aided i think that's terribly low i wouldn't be calling it out personally no that's that's that, so i'm so shocked by that and and you said it though it's not guys if, if you're out there and, and this for sure is true with brick and mortar store awareness means nothing to me like it, it i shouldn't say nothing but it's just north of nothing it's all about preference it's about people wanting to shop with you it's about people having a reason to want your product or uh, or brand for some some compelling reason, but an awareness is nothing more than just saying, "Yeah, I've heard of them." It's not a compelling reason to go buy something. Well, and the other thing that Casper pulled out was, uh, in the I think it was in the S one, they were saying that the their brand it was an immeasurable asset. An immeasurable asset. So they had 31% ADA brand awareness, but they called it this immeasurable asset. It really isn't an immeasurable asset until you have brand preference and it's unaided, in my opinion. Now, here's the other thing. So just pause on that. How could you justify that kind of statement if you're Casper? How is it immeasurable? That's only, Isn't that kind of saying the same as it's invaluable? I think so, yeah. I mean, I think... So how can you say... I don't get that. I, I'd have to walk through the logic. I'm asking you to defend them. I'm not yeah, saying that, I, but I mean, I does that make tough. sense to you? It makes no sense to me. Why, I, I do think say that. if you're going to say immeasurable and then <laughs> you're going to define immeasurable as very difficult to measure, <laughs> it is tough, difficult to measure brand value. It's very tough. I yeah, mean, you're but trying people to sign impair a it all it. the time. Like companies have to impair their brand on a balance sheet if you're going to sell the business or whatever. There is a way to value brand. So for them to say it's immeasurable with a 31% awareness, that makes no sense to me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some the other piece of the puzzle out here that gets really tricky, which is, from what I understand, they're operating at like a 25% negative gross margin, right? So losing money. Now, from what I understand, they're going to pick up a lot of sales this year from Costco. So here's here's how I'm thinking about this. And I've talked to a few friends in the industry and this seems to line up. So now you're going to pick up sales at Costco that may get you back to like zero gross margin, right? So you get out of the negative territory, but your sales go to a channel that could damage your brand. That's not a brand building channel, in my opinion. It helps Costco. Costco has the brand. They're one of the retailers we talked about that people love. And they look at Costco as the curator of cool stuff to put into their life. And they know it's going to, you know, be a good item. Um, but people are looking at the Costco brand. So even those sales aren't, they aren't brand building sales. It's getting into a brick and mortar play, a warehouse club play. And so that immeasurable asset and that unaided awareness isn't being, isn't being pushed forward in any meaningful way. Whenever those are the sales that make up for your negative gross margin. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I get they need to push into stores. They have 60 retail stores now. I know they've got plans to maybe get 150 more. Um, we both know that that is part of their play in terms of becoming profitable. I don't, I'm with you. I don't think Costco is necessarily a way for them to build brand. I wonder what Target's thinking right about now. They invested $75 million in Casper. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio did. Adam Levin with... 50 Cent. Um, uh, fit a cent. You know, I should have been, I should have worried when I saw 50 cent invested. I think not you, because I think you can't say it like that. Not, no, I should have been, I should have been no, worried when say, I, you can't pronounce the name like that. What is it? You can't say 50 cent. Oh, 50 cent. 50 cent. You gotta say it like, yeah. So, and here's why, because back, back like whenever, um, Bitcoin first came out, apparently. So f let me put it like this. 50 cent went broke. 
You knew about that, right? Sure. Dude went broke. There's and a joke there. I just can't think. His, of it. Yeah, right. If he, he had fifty cents. Fifty cents. He's got. Yeah. So apparently, his CPA comes to him, or his financial guy, or somebody, and says, "Well, we have. You're not completely broke." And this is like nine months after he lost like all of his money or something like that. They came to him and they said, "You you aren't completely broke. You have something here that we didn't really know you had." He, back whenever Bitcoin first came out. Yep. He sold his album to people for Bitcoin. They could pay in Bitcoin, which is like this cryptocurrency, right? And so he had like this account full of millions of dollars of Bitcoin just sitting there and he didn't even know he had it. That's so good. So I don't know if I'm going to follow the investment path of 50 well, Cent anymore. He's, he's got Bitcoin and Casper. Yeah, stock, yeah. So. Hey, who knows? Maybe he's going to stumble ass backwards into another pile of money through this. Who knows? So I want to I go before we cap this uh, this podcast out, Kinsley, um, $80 million charged to them. In returns, refunds, and discounts. Okay, so they kind of bury some of that, I think. And they're, what they're probably trying to bury is their return rate. Right, and and I guess the other thing that we should talk about on this particular um, business case is what is the impact of a Casper flooding the market uh, and and approaching the business the way that they have? And, and then you look at these statistics. I talked with Mary Helen um, at uh, ISPA. And so we had a great discussion about some of the research that ISP was doing, and they're going to share some of that with us so that we can share it with this audience. Um, and I believe it was her, sorry if this isn't the case, but um, I believe it was her that told me in the e-commerce space, people that are buying beds, the likelihood or the satisfaction rate is not high enough. Like it's one of the lowest things down there in terms of their willingness to repurchase right. something. And I think that says a lot. I mean, I think this return rate says a lot. We already knew a lot of that, I think. Um, but I think, what is the impact of that, right? So all those consumers in the market have purchased, not just Casper, but other types of products like this. And uh, you know, and, and now they have these beds that were okay for a period of time. Uh, and, and where does it go? What happens to the category? Are we at the top of that? I mean, have we reached maturity with it? Um, because of this kind of thing or what's your, where's your head with that? I think I was talking to Mike Magnuson about this and he puts it in a way I think is very relevant. The coastline of the mattress buying continent has forever been altered, right? Casper and the online storm that washed against the coastline changed the way that people changed the way this continent looks and it's going to forever alter the way that people purchase a mattress. So even if, even if it's not a sustainable business model, even if brick and mortar sees a resurgence, we're still going to, um, I think, forever see a change in the way that people come into the marketplace. The online space matters. People are probably going to still purchase a, you know, a significant percentage of mattresses online. The, the category awareness, and Dave Perry asked me, Dave flipped on the camera and said, Casper, good or bad for the mattress industry? And I said, I think Casper has been fantastic for category awareness. I think more people are thinking about a mattress because Casper and that orchestra of online voices than ever before. And I think that's a good thing. So ultimately, um, we're going to see the way that people shop for a mattress. That's, that's never going to be the same as it was 10 years ago, in my opinion. Um, and we know that because of the internet and the inter internet's not going away. Now, what people do whenever they get into the buying phase after they've potentially been a dissatisfied 
online only mattress owner, like they didn't try them out. Now, I think that's going to shift because now that category awareness is high, what happens in any category? People pay attention to it and start looking at what they can get from within that category. And I think in the mattress business, people are going to be like, hmm, I would like to see what else is out there. Sure, this was okay. I wasn't that thrilled with it, but I'm kind of interested in finding out what else there is that it's available. And here's where, here's where it comes back to brand for me. I know private label is a big thing, but here's where it comes back to brand for me. If you as a brand online can quickly establish yourself and, and build trust and gain trust with people and you can build value in everything you do, I think there's still a chance for people to win. You know, I, I like where you took that um, towards the end, which was... Not the rest of it, but the end was great. No, the, all of, <laughs> no it was good. But um, I, I think um, even on the downside, so I think awareness is huge. I completely agree that they did a lot. They put a lot of money into the voice for the category. So I like that part. Uh, and some of the stuff they did kind of made us a little more hip too. So let's give them credit for that. They made it fun. Uh, and then they caused a lot of other people to get into it. Uh, so now there's 175 guys kind of doing that. So I think that's a real positive for them. Um, and I think that um, now even like because they had, I don't know, their revenue, I think, as I read uh, for 2019 was somewhere like $471 million or something like that. $416 million. Um, Whoever had a purchase made with them, if they didn't quite like it or it fell short, you know, those repeat guys, maybe they'll go into the brick and mortar stores now. And we, you know, Casper, look, man, they, they did a bunch of business and now they got a lot of names and there's a lot of really positive things for them they can build on for sure. And there's still going to be something like $750 million valuation, even though it did drop from the original 1.1 billion, but a lot of real positive things still for Casper. Yeah. We as an industry shouldn't, shouldn't sit around from a traditional side of the industry. shouldn't sit around and say, I told you so. No, no, no. They've changed the industry. Uh, congratulations to to the people from Casper who who have done a great job telling their story and connecting with consumers. They've done a great job with that. They definitely have, and um, I think in certain ways it's uh, helped probably the industry. Um, so how's that for full circle? Take it full circle, man. Tell us what you think. Go to our Facebook page. It's the Dos Marcos Facebook page. Tell us what we missed. Tell us your thoughts, and uh, we'll keep an eye on this thing. We'll keep bringing you the the inside scoop on it as this develops. And um, hey. I'll see you later. Hey, by the way, make sure you're subscribed at mattresspodcast.com. That's the one. You can bounce on it. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable. Hybrid, hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool. Cool as ice. And I'm hot like a heater. Bounce by the ounce. Now we got it by the leader. Well, you take a spring and you wrap it up right. You can sleep so smooth or bounce all night. Put two together, get a whole lot more. Get the feel of the comfort core. You can bounce on it. Lay back, you don't have to practice. It's the best thing to happen to your mattress. Get together to do it like I did. Everybody get high. If you 
want somebody to get in your vicinity You probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity Foam alone? Out of five, maybe one star Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar Mad back support The best way to shack up or just get rest That won't mess your back up Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist Or a mullet party in the back of the business Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus The ultimate hybrid Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, foam keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid Right. Listen, doesn't matter if your kitchen is charming When your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam Cause if that bowling ball don't bounce You'll be sleeping alone And if the bed don't react Then you can't get low We got that type of bounce That won't spill your Merlot So stick with us and you'll get rewarded Cause I'm so gentle And I'm so supportive is where the magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses. mattresses.